Sam, you're all prayed up, man. <laughs> hey, uh, I just want to touch base for a second. Uh, this weekend, we did the planting day. And whoop, whoop, yep, you were there. Uh, we had 60 people show up, and we had planned to work until uh, 1 o'clock, and we finished all the work by about 11.45, uh, which is incredible. And uh, many hands make for light work. Uh, I was sitting in the parking lot thinking about the fact that 60 people uh, gave three hours a person. That's uh, 180 man hours. This is sort of how my brain works. Kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, and then I was thinking, you know, at the best, we're going to pay 25 bucks an hour. That probably saved us about $4,500. So not that it's all about money, but thank you. You saved us a ton of money, and the campus looks phenomenal. You guys did a great job. And probably even more so than any of that is just, it was fun. I mean, it was just a great energy. People were just laughing and enjoying uh, literally getting their hands dirty and uh, having a little pizza at the end. So if you were there, thank you. Uh, the campus looks great. Hey, for the last several years, we have taken the first Sunday in June to kind of step back and talk about the vision of the church. It's, it is when we uh, vote on the budget. Part of our constitution is the members vote every year. On the upcoming budget, our ministry year is June through May, so it's that time of year. As Lakeisha said, if you have questions about the budget, uh, you should have got one in the mail if you're a member, uh, an email with it digitally, but if you need one, there's one in the back you can look at, but if you have questions about that, Dorothy will be in the uh, family room, which is right out these doors to the right. Uh, she certainly can answer any questions that you have. Um, but this is just a, a time for us to step away from the series that we're in on Galatians and just talk about uh, grace for a few minutes, talk about who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, uh, and just help you to kind of get your um, mind around the upcoming ministry in the first service. Like you just said, I'm going to tell you everything that we're going to do in the coming year, uh, which would be virtually impossible because as you've been around here, there's way more than I could talk about. So uh, I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'm just going to try to highlight a few things. Um, there is a particular passage that I kind of want to build this around. It's a passage that God has used a, in my own personal life in a very big way. And I've just come to realize uh, it really is a, a passage that uh, guides my own ministry life as well. And so we're just going to unpack that and then use that as a framework for what we talk about for the church. But the passage is Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, I use it a lot. I talk about it a lot because it is a life first for me. But it says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is so much in this one passage for us to wrap our minds around. And, and I would say, as you begin to comprehend and understand all of what this passage is saying, it becomes life for you. It literally becomes a verse that speaks uh, purpose and meaning into you. But it starts with these words. It says, for we are gods. We are gods. I love that this is a, a possessive, that we are gods. We are God's creation. We are God's possession. We are God's. We are gods. It's a beautiful thing. We could just preach a whole sermon on what does it mean that we are gods, right? God's possession, God's handiwork. There's a, a beautiful picture in this that, that if you look at this passage, and it's kind of fun to use it today to talk about grace as a church, but it says, for we. So it's both a corporate sort of verse, but it's also an individual verse. This verse can very much be said, I am God's workmanship, and we are together God's workmanship. And we'll unpack that a little bit more, but I love the way it starts with we. We're talking about the church, and we are gods. We are his royal priests. We are his sons and daughters. We are his possession. We are his workmanship. I've talked about this quite a bit, but that word workmanship uh, in the original uh, text, it's a word that it, where we get the word poem from. It's actually poema is the word. So you can say we are God's poem. If you were to go and look at all these different translations, you would see handiwork, you would see masterpiece, you would see artwork, you would see workmanship. But the, the translators are trying to grasp the the artistic nature of that word. You are God's artistic expression, right? And think about art. Art is, is individual. You know, an artist doesn't paint the same painting. Even when they paint something that's similar, they bring a, a unique touch to it. You are a unique work of art. You are God's poem. We are 
God's poem. It's a beautiful picture of just how God has made each of us individually, and he's made us with great creativity. No two people are the same. So you, with all of your gifts and your talents and, and your desires and your life experiences, all come together to make you who you are. And like I said, when you know and live into Ephesians 2.10, you begin to discover your purpose. You discover, oh, this is what God has made me to do. This is what it, what it means to do what God has purposed me to do. So you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The good works here are not works of, of religiosity. This isn't about you or God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to get up, go to church on Sunday, sing three songs, and go home. Those are all fine and dandy things, but that's not really the good works that he's talking about. Nothing about religiosity. What he's saying is, I have given you a plan, and I have put, put in you a purpose, and I desire you to have a significant impact in the kingdom of God, do you believe that about each and every person in this room? God desires to give you a significant impact in the kingdom of God. He has breathed gifts and passions into you, right? And he wants you to use those for the kingdom of God, the good works that God has prepared just for you, right? And so what we need to understand when we look at the scriptures is that there's something called a general calling, which is basically all of us are, are under a general calling. We are all called to make disciples. We're all called to bring glory to God. We're all called to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're all called to this general calling of making God known with our lives. That's the general calling, but we all have a specific calling. The way in which you live out making disciples is probably gonna be different than the way that I live out making disciples. God gives us unique gifts and talents, and we bring those together to become the body of Christ, right? So we all have gifts, we all have talents, we all have passions, we all have a general calling, which is the same for all of us, and we all have a specific calling. This is how you are going to live into the general calling. All right, every person who decides to follow Jesus, right, every person, this passage applies to you. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do a good work which God prepared in advance for you to do. But the thing is, we could read this and passage over us as a church as well. We, Grace Community Church, is God's artwork, God's workmanship, and we, as, a, as an expression of God's kingdom in this particular corner, we are created to do good works, which God prepared for this church to do. Now, here's where this is going to get a little bit confusing as I talk about this, is there's uh, when I talk about church today, I'm talking about Grace Community Church, but there is only one church. You know that, right? The church, all the churches come together that are following Jesus. There is only one church. So just, I just want you to know, today we're talking about Little C Church. We're talking about Grace Community Church. And our calling, our good works are different, right? There's the same general calling on all churches to make disciples of all nations, right? But our expression is gonna be a little bit different. There are specific good works that God has asked Grace Community Church to do that he may not be asking Kensington to do or he may not be asking Woodside to do or, or Life Changers to do or any of the other expressions of God. Each church, I believe, can apply this verse to them. We are each God's handiwork. We are each God's artwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good work that he's called us to do. So with all that in mind, that's what we're going to talk about. What are the good works? What makes grace unique in what we do? And the best way I know to get after that is to start with our mission statement. So I'm going to ask you to repeat our mission statement, something I do all the time, and I'm giving you a little bit of time to get ready so we can do it all together. But our mission is? Well, you are the most enthusiastic person about that mission statement. Thank you. We are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. And you know, the test of a good mission statement, uh, in my mind, is whether it holds up over time. A lot of times you go into a room as a group of people and you say, well, what's our mission? And you write it. And then six months from now, you're like, what was that mission again? Yeah, I can't quite remember. That's a pretty good sign. It's probably not the ideal mission. Well, this has stuck around for a long time, and it has become very much a part of our DNA. If you're around Grace very long, you will hear us talk about the mosaic often. It's just a part of who we are. We are a 
mosaic. What does that mean? It means that we are a unique congregation. I know we're not the only congregation like this, but this is fairly unique in the the world of church. We are black and white, almost exactly 50-50 black and white. We are young and old. We are rich and we are poor. Uh, We come from an incredibly diverse past religious experience. So we have people uh, who call grace their home, who've come out of the, the Catholic church, the Methodist church, all kinds of different Protestant expressions. We have people who have come out of a Pentecostal or charismatic background, people who came out of a very Baptistic, legalistic background, and we all come together, and that creates some challenges because we all have our own preferences. We all have what we grew up with. We all have all of these, these desires, but that's the beauty of grace. We are a mosaic. And I remember when we wrote this mission statement, I was in the room and I was leading the charge to do our mission and our vision and our values. And I remember when we wrote the words, we are a mosaic, it was aspirational more than it was a reality. We really weren't a mosaic when we started saying we are a mosaic. But there was something about putting a stake in the ground and and kind of declaring regularly, we are a mosaic. We're going to do what it takes. We're going to be intentional in this, and we are going to become the very thing that God has asked us to become as part of our good works on this corner. So the mosaic is intentional. Uh, It doesn't happen by accident. It's something we think about and we plan for and we try to uh, uh, work towards all the time. We are a mosaic. I think it's fascinating that God has begun to bring people out of a Muslim background and a Hindu background, Jehovah Witness background. All, God is just bringing us people who are so different, and he is putting us together as a beautiful work of art. Amen? I think that's one of the reasons why this word mosaic has meant so much to us, because when you start to sink into what a mosaic is, that kind of just broken, random pieces of glass or whatever, you can make a mosaic out of anything, but just bright colored, broken, coming together to make a work of art. It's just a good expression of who we are. We're a fairly authentic church. We talk a lot about how broken we all are, but something happens when we bring our brokenness together. It really is a beautiful expression. So we are a mosaic, and then it says striving. And I know that this is the most controversial word in our mission statement. It's a word that I've had to defend more than anybody else. Nobody ever says to me, well, I don't think we're supposed to be a mosaic. I have had people say we should say we're a mosaic of people, but I just want to remind you, we're people. (laughs) So it didn't feel like we had to say people because because we are. Anyway, uh, striving. Striving has created all kinds of, of uh, difficulties because when people hear striving, uh, quite often what they think they hear is we are striving to earn something from God. We are striving to cajole God, to move God, to do something. We're striving to have God love us, and that is not what we're saying. That is so not what we believe here at Grace. As a matter of fact, what we believe is that God loves you beyond your wildest imagination. Right? No matter what you do, you can't make God love you more. As a matter of fact, he loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. Even when you were his enemy, he loved you. So God loves you, and God is moving towards you. But what we, but we do know to be true is that God wants to transform you, and you have to participate in the work that God is doing in you if you desire to be transformed. You cannot transform yourself but you need to participate. So here's how I'd say it. You cannot make spiritual growth happen. That's a work of God in in our lives, but we can keep it from happening by resisting what God is doing. I wanna say that one more time because this is critical for you to understand. You cannot make spiritual growth happen. That's a work of God in your life, but you can keep it from happening by resisting the very thing that God is doing, disobedience, not doing when God is calling you into a place that's gonna stretch you and you say, no, I'm not going there. In that moment, you are resisting and you are hampering, you are keeping God from doing all that God desires to do. God is a gentleman. He's not gonna force himself on you. But if you want to grow, you have to participate in that spiritual journey. You can't make it happen, but you have to participate with God. And I would say, and I say this all the time, and I I don't say it to hurt your feelings, But the truth is, American Christianity is lazy Christianity. 
and we tend to want to just come to church and, and get our Shazam, get our fix, and then go do whatever it is we want to do, but we want to be entertained, we become consumeristic in the way God, right? So for me, when we wrote this mission statement, striving was important because I want you to take your spiritual growth seriously. So J... So J.I. Packard, a brilliant man, brilliant theologian, uh, in his book called The Christian Scholar, says the church in North America is 3,000 miles wide and half an inch deep. There are lots of us, but there aren't a lot of deep us. Right? It's not hard to find people who are Christians, but it is hard to find people, deep Christians, people who have gone somewhere in their spiritual journey, who are anchored in the word and anchored in their understanding of who they are in Christ. And that's what I want. That's what I want for myself, but that's what I want for all of you. I want you to go deep. I want you to be spiritually transformed. I want you to experience God in a way that your life is changed. When you look at the New Testament, you see that we are challenged to be radically transformed. We're actually told that we're supposed to give our lives away on behalf of others. Matter of fact, it says that if, if you want to find life, you got to lose your life, right? That's the striving that we're talking about, that willingness to lay down your life for other people. The Apostle Paul in his letters talks about beating his body into submission. He talks about running a race. He talks about fighting a good fight. None of this, Paul is never writing, if you go look all those verses up in context, he's never saying, so that God will love you, He's saying, I do this because I want to be the very person that God has already called me to be. He's made me a son. He's made me a daughter. This is the story of Galatians that we're studying right now. When you look at Galatians, he's saying, this is who you are. Now live like it. Be a son. Be a daughter. Be a child of the Most High God. It's what your identity really is. Now live out that identity. That's the striving piece, that we are to participate with what God is doing in our lives. Amen. Amen. The scriptures say that we are to be others focused. This is one of our values as a church, that we would sacrifice ourselves to prefer one another. This is why we made it one of our core values. The scriptures say that we are to be about life change, that it doesn't, it, it's not enough just to go to church. We want you to experience the living God and be different. That's why I pray almost every Sunday, what do I pray? That you would experience the living God and leave different than you came. Never be satisfied to play church. If you're coming here to check a box, it isn't gonna work. We want you to be changed from the inside out. Philippians 2.12 says, therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. It doesn't say work for, right? This is God has saved you. God has redeemed you. God has made you a child of himself. He's made you his son. He's made you his daughter. Now work that out. Figure out what that means. Live like it. Understand that there are times we're in God's will and there are times we're out of God's will. When you're out of God's will, repent and move back into God's will so that there's a transformation taking place. Work out, not work for your own salvation. We are mosaic striving working out our own salvation, learning to live into the gift of salvation that God has given us. And when we do that, we begin to look more and more like Jesus. The way we think, the way we act, the way we feel, all becomes more Christ-like. We actually are transformed little by little, more and more into the image of Jesus. We are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. This is an aspirational part of our mission statement. None of us get to say, we are a mosaic living like Jesus, right? We, we all fall short of this one. This is a pretty high bar to jump over, but that's the beauty. We're all striving to be more and more. In this side of heaven, we're all gonna fall short, but that's the goal, to live more and more like Jesus. Am I really being Jesus to my spouse? Am I really being Jesus-like to my kids, to my neighbor? Right? If you would begin to ask that question as a church, suddenly everything would change. Our job as a church is to come alongside you and assist you in becoming more and more like Jesus. I can't make you be more like Jesus, but I can help you to understand how to listen to the Spirit of God in your life, and I can hopefully inspire you, we can inspire you to be obedient when you hear the Word of God in your life. But that's the heart, that you would hear 
and you would obey, that God would nudge and you'd say, okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense, God, but I want it. I want everything you have for me, so I'm willing to take a risk. I'm willing to move into that difficult situation. I'm willing to have that conversation that you're telling me to have, even though it's pretty risky. I don't know, God, but those are all the ways that God moves us and he grows us and he makes us more and more like him. So that's what we're here for. We are here to help you to become more and more like Jesus. So what I wanna do is I wanna take just a minute and I wanna show you a video that's a little bit of a recap of some of the great things that went on last year. Uh, And then I'm just gonna spend a little bit of time talking about some stories from last year. uh, And then I'm gonna get into three initiatives that we have for the coming year. But let's watch this video uh, because... fun year. Uh, so Thursday, uh, knowing that this Sunday was coming, um, and I would just tell you, this is always a hard Sunday for me, I, and I'm just being honest with you, it's just, it's just hard, and uh, I got up really struggling with what I wanted to say to you, uh, how do I share what God is doing, and, and it kind of spiraled into a kind of bad place, which happens sometimes. Um, which is a good reason for you to pray for me regularly. Um, but I had my core team meeting that day, and so the leaders were all in the room, and I, I just said, I, what are you excited about? Like, what's, what's going on? What, help me to just, what do you think I should share? Uh, and they just started one after another. These are all your ministry leaders sharing stories. And uh, I went from kind of just a little bit down to, man, I, I was so fired up by the time we walked out of the room. And it is the stories of life change individual stories of life change that get me up in the morning that cause me to to buy into this thing that we're trying to do here at Grace. Um, so I thought I would take a few minutes and just share some of the stories. Some of them you've seen in video, some of them you've heard, uh, and some of them will be new to you. Uh, but one of the stories that I want to share is the story of Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl was in the video a few weeks ago, uh, but I had a chance to walk through a discipleship process, my wife and I, uh, with Cheryl and some other people in small groups, and in just a matter of months, uh, my friend Cheryl discovered that her voice matters. She discovered that God had something to say, not only to her, 
but through her. And she would write things down and share it in the group. And it would uh, cause the hair on the back of your neck to stand up because it was so deep and so profound and just affirming that gifting in her. And I've watched this person come alive and, and, and she came into it pretty resistant about small groups, pretty resistant about being in a room of black and white people even as she would say, uh, but she has blossomed and she is so alive and so exciting. And so I just want to say that Cheryl is way more like Jesus than when I first met her. I can see her becoming more like Jesus. It's so cool. We have a young woman who is, usher, is an usher now, and she's gotten plugged into a C group. And when she first started, she was timid. She was withdrawn. She didn't feel like she had anything to really offer the church. And uh, when I see her now, she is uh, engaged. She's excited. She's making a difference. She's sharing with people as they come in, and she's discovered that God has a desire to use her in that way. She's becoming more like Jesus. This past season in the Tuesday morning Bible study, uh, I didn't know about this story. I just heard about it in the last week or two. Uh, two women uh, ended up at the same table. Some people would say it was a coincidence. I'm fairly confident it wasn't a coincidence at all. You'll agree with me when you hear this story. But uh, they both, uh, one's black and one's white, they both were struggling with some uh, deep-seated difficulties of bridging the gap racially, whether that was prejudice or biases, I don't really know, but they were struggling. They were struggling with the mosaic. They were struggling with what it meant for them. Uh, they come to this table, the same Bible study table, and soon discover that they grew up on the same street in the same neighborhood. Isn't that cool? Uh, which just opened up a door for them to become, begin to have some conversations at the table, which turned into some conversations over the phone, which turned into meeting together on a regular basis and just becoming friends, having dinner, and a beautiful friendship to his blossom. And it says here that they are finding healing and forgiveness, understanding and love. They are learning to trust across racial lines. Look, they're becoming more like Jesus. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Amen. You can clap for these. These are good stories. This is what gets us up. A few weeks ago, I sat with a young man, uh, and he told me his story, and I had no idea that this took place, but it was so life-giving to hear. And uh, it was the day that we had open baptisms. If you haven't been here, uh, once a year, we just... Uh, we put out the tank, and we just invite you to come get baptized if you haven't yet. It's one of my favorite Sundays, uh, the Open Baptism Sundays. Uh, but he said that um, he came, and uh, he was uh, a drug user, and he had been using drugs, and he had gotten busted, and he had some um, difficulties ahead of him and with the police. Uh, he had gotten expelled, if you will, or left college because of all the trouble, and he was sitting in the higher wings, and he knew that God wanted to come down and get baptized, and he said he resisted, he resisted, but he couldn't resist anymore, and he finally came down to, to get baptized. He fought it, but he gave in, and then he said these words to me. He said, something happened in the moment after I came up out of the water. The Spirit of God did something. Amen, Amen is right. He said, my life has not been the same. If you get a chance to spend any time with this young man, he is on fire for Jesus. The things he was doing are in the past, and he is going to live his life to model Jesus, to be like Jesus. He is becoming more like Jesus. Those are the stories that get me up. Those are the stories that, that make me want to do what we're doing. This is what we get to do as a church. So over the next 12 months, we're going to have all kinds of activities, all kinds of events, all kinds of things that will help you to walk faithfully with Jesus and also will help you to invite your friends to come and experience what Grace is doing. So we're going to do the summer picnics again. Uh, we're having a concert with Torrin Wells in October. Uh, I don't know who that is, but I hear he's really good. <laughs> I got to get out more. I did hear a couple of his songs, and I heard he's up for some Grammys and all that good stuff, so he's quite a... Uh, anyway, Torn Wells is coming. Uh, we got the Spring Hill Day Camp, which is going to be a blast. Woo, woo, yeah. Uh, last year, we did Trunk or Treat, and we had, literally had thousands of people show up, and it was raining, so we're asking you to pray for rain again this year because we don't know what will happen. <laughs> Honest. I don't know, we have no idea what will happen if it's nice weather, but there's going to be thousands of people here participate in Trunk or Treat. We're going to do the big band Christmas even bigger next year in the you know, Christmas season. 
And all of these are just great events for you to participate in, for you to grow in community with one another, and for you to invite your friends to be a part. We're going to continue to partner with SOAR Detroit, uh, where we're teaching every willing third grader to read at grade level, which is an awesome thing. Uh, So that'll be a big part of the movement this uh, summer and uh, going into the fall. Uh, There's a lot happening here, way more than I can even talk about, but gives you some idea. So just the next few minutes, uh, I want to talk about three key initiatives that we're going to kind of sink into and lean into in the next year. And the reason I want to talk about them is none of these can happen without you. If you'll see as I talk about them that you are kind of required, if, for lack of a better word, if it's going to happen at Grace, then you're going to have to be a part of it. The first initiative is prayer. Uh, when I first took the role as the lead pastor, God said to me very clearly, I want this church to have a culture of prayer. The implication to that is that we didn't have a culture of prayer. and Not that we didn't pray, but I would say we were more than likely to give God a nod in our prayer, sort of like praying for grace. Like how many of you pray before you eat a meal and then you just stuff your face, right? You're kind of praying and you're kind of thankful, but most of the time it's just like, it's a nod, right? Hey God, thanks for the food, now pass the meat, right? Whatever, that's, I'm just being honest, that's how it is for me. Maybe, maybe for you it's more of a spiritual moment, but grace feels like a bit of a nod. Well, I feel like that's a lot of what we've done at Grace over the years is we pray, but we pray sort of in a cursory sort of, Okay, God, would you bless this? Thanks a lot. And then we just get busy doing. And so for me, what this really means is that everything we would do would be birthed in prayer, then it would be covered in prayer, and it would be emboldened in prayer. That we wouldn't do anything unless the Lord really said to us, as we prayed through it, as we thought through it, this is what I want you to do as a church. And then we would cover whatever that thing that we're doing is with prayer until it comes and even after it goes and that it, that would embolden us to get more out of it. You know, I think we've grown a lot in this arena in the last few years. I think we are far more of a praying church than we used to be. And I would say the spirit of God is doing more in this place than we've ever seen him do. We're seeing God do things we never really saw before. We're seeing people who have been just in bondage for a long time, freed in in ways that we've never seen. We've seen people experiencing physical healings in ways that we've never seen. All of that, I don't believe, I know for sure, is because we have begun to become a praying church, that the culture is changing little by little into a culture of prayer. But I also think we still have a ways to go. So, what does that mean? Let me give you an example of a a ministry event being... uh, covered in prayer. So a lot of the women came to the Priscilla Sire simulcast. You saw a little bit of it on the video there. Uh, over and over, women have said to me, there was something different about that event. There was a spirit in the room that you just couldn't describe, that it was, she was great, she was a good speaker, but there was something going on in the room and in the prayer rooms that they had set up. Well, you know what it was? For two months, people had gathered every week to pray for that event, to pray that the Spirit of God would show up, that the Spirit of God would move. That's what it means to to cover an event in prayer, and that's what we want. But guess what? We can't do that unless when you're invited, hey, would you be part of the prayer team? Right? Somebody's got to be the ones covering it in prayer. So there will be times when ministry leaders are going to tap you on the shoulder and invite you to be part of a, a prayer team that helps to make events happen. And I just want to encourage you to do it. When we give God a nod, it's pretty dangerous. And it's actually pretty arrogant. It's kind of saying, God, I got this. You know, Thanks. Appreciate the uh, advice. I, I got this now. I'm going to take care of it. And, and we forget that we, we are absolutely, utterly dependent on God showing up. You know that, right? All right. So we're going to foster more of a culture of prayer. We're going to continue to grow in that area. Every ministry will have prayer teams. You may get invited to be on one of those prayer teams. Every ministry event will be covered in prayer. And we're just going to ask you to step into it and be a part of that. The other thing that you can do that will help with this, this culture of prayer is join us in the 930 prayer. So we have this thing that we do where you can text 930 prayer to 41411. That puts you on a list. And a couple times a week, uh, we just send you a 
hey, here's something to pray about. But if you set your alarm in your phone for 9.30 a.m. every day, when your alarm goes off, pray for us. Pray for grace. Pray for the Spirit of God to move. Pray for me by name. Pray for the, any of your ministry leaders by name. Pray for us because God is going to show up in a powerful way as the body stops to just lift us up in prayer. He's already begun and he will continue to show up. So I'd love for you to participate in the 9.30 prayer. We have almost 1,000 people who are already doing that, but we, we could use more and we would love for you to be a part of it. So 9.30 prayer is huge. And then we also meet a half hour before every Sunday service in the chapel. And we just pray for the service. Now, this isn't a time where we come together and bring all of our prayer requests. Uh, we don't pray for our aunts and uncles or whatever it is. It is specifically a time to pray for the service that's about to happen and ask the Lord, what do you want to do? What are you going to do? And we just ask the Holy Spirit to show up in a powerful way. I will tell you, this service will be better for you if you are part of that half hour before the service. It'll quiet your spirit. It'll help you to be ready for the service. So my encouragement to you is join us. Join us in the chapel a half hour. If you come to the 11, that's at 10.30. If you come to the 9, that's at 8.30. Join us in there. We pray. We get ourselves ready, and we get the church ready for church. So those are some ways that you can participate and be a part of this culture of prayer. The second key initiative is groups. Uh, last year, I stood on the stage uh, the same weekend, and I told you that we currently have 22% of you connected in a group outside of Sunday morning, 22%. But we also have said to you uh, many times, you cannot grow spiritually if you are not connected beyond Sunday morning, right? So that leaves us awfully exposed. If 88%, bad math, 78%, <laughs> Uh, if 78% of you are not connected and you're in danger of, of, of not being able to grow spiritually. And our mission statement is to become more and more like Jesus. So we set a goal that within two years that we would get 75 to 80% of you in small groups. And the benchmark was that by this moment uh, in one year that we would be at 50%. So two weeks ago, we did the engagement survey. And guess what? 50% of you are now in small groups. So we've moved that number. Yeah, that's worth celebrating for sure. 64 groups, 33 of those are new small groups. Uh, they're doing great. But we still got to get to the next 25 to 30% to get you connected. So what does that mean? It means some of you need to step up and be small group leaders. Some of you just need to finally say yes to what God has been nudging you all the way along and say, I would be willing to lead a small group. And for the others of you who have been resistant to get into a small group, these are groups that meet in living rooms. Some of the living rooms are here at the church. Some of them are in people's homes. Uh, I just encourage you to take a risk, get plugged in, and, and live out your faith in community. This is where we encourage one another. This is where we confess to one another. This is where we, we serve one another. All of those one another studies are lived out in small groups. It's pretty hard to do that when you're all just sitting out there watching me talk. But when we get into a small group, we have a chance to really be uh, Jesus to one another. So I want to encourage you to be a part of small groups from 50% to this time next year, I want to stand up here and say that we're at 75, 80%. Um, most of you know who my wife Meg is, uh, but she usually sits right over there. Uh, Meg is now on staff, and she is the uh, small groups coordinator, the groups coordinator. So if you want to serve in small groups, if you want to get connected in small groups, Meg's the person to talk to, and she can help make that happen. Third initiative, I'll move through this one pretty quick, is generosity. Uh-huh. I was waiting for the air to go out of the room because whenever I say generosity, you're all like, oh, great. He's going to talk about money. Uh, and guess what? I'm not going to talk about money. Uh, I'm going to talk about generosity. And when we talk about generosity, we're talking about whole life generosity. What do you do with your time? What do you do with your, your talents? What do you, how are you serving? How are you giving your life away on behalf of others, which is what we just talked about? That's generosity. And guess what? It does affect your money. But that's not really what we're after. What we're after is a shift in culture where we as a body of believers operate with whole life generosity. So we're partnering with an outside organization called Generous Church. Uh, in this partnership, uh, here's my commitment to you. We will never ask you for money. Okay? You don't, you don't believe me, do you? You're all like, sure. 
It's not about asking for money. We'll talk about money, but I'm not going to ask you for money. We don't have a goal of raising a particular amount of money. We don't have a goal of changing the budget numbers. We want to talk to you about whole life generosity and generous churches here to do that with us. So we are going to do this thing called an overflow experience. You are all going to get invited to come to an overflow experience. It is a commitment. You'll come on a Friday night and stay in... in, uh, We'll have some sessions on Friday night. You'll go home, and then you'll come back on Saturday morning, and we'll have sessions until noon. So it's a big commitment, but I'm asking all of you to say yes when you are tapped on the shoulder to be a part of an overflow experience. Uh, And here's the deal. We just did two of these a couple weeks ago. There was a number of people who came because I basically said, I need you to come. Uh, They didn't want to be there, uh, and their arms were crossed. And I don't mean they were crossed. I mean they were crossed, like... (laughs) Because, why? Because they all knew, here we go, another pastor is going to twist my arm, make me feel guilty, yada, yada, yada. Right, I get, I get it. I get it. I grew up in the church. I get it. Uh, but that's not what happened. So I just want to read some quotes, a couple of quotes from the guys. <laughs> Sorry to rat you out, but they were both guys. Uh, this overflow experience has opened my mind and my heart in ways that I hadn't thought of. And God is calling me to more. The other person said, because of this experience, we will pray as a couple as to what God is calling us to change about living generously. That's all we want. We just want you to be willing to be challenged, to think, are we generous with everything that God has given us? Are we hoarding some of what God has given us? Do I have talents that I can give to the kingdom of God? That's what this is about. So what I love about Generous Church Really, the hook that got me is they they say these words. They say, generosity is not about what God wants from you, which is basically what all of you have heard when churches talked about money. We need this. Give, give, give. It's not what God wants from you. It's about what God has for you. And I just love that shift, and it's a beautiful picture. So as your pastor, as your shepherd, as your friend, I cannot recommend the... Uh, overflow experience enough. You are going to get tapped on the shoulder. You need to go. It will make an enormous difference. It's just, it's fun. I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it is just fun, and it causes you to have to just sink in and think about things differently. All right, I'm going to close, but I want to close with a song, and I want to close with a video. So the band's going to come, uh, and, and they're going to uh, wrap this thing up, and we're going to sing together, and we're going to watch a video But I want to remind you, our role at Grace is to help you to live out Ephesians 2.10 in your life, to know that you are God's, that you are God's artwork, and that God has given you a specific plan, that God has called you to do specific things, that God sees you, that God has made you a work of art. But I also need you to know that there is an enemy who does not want you to do any of that. There is an enemy of your soul who is going to whisper into your ear, you can't do this. You got nothing. You're no good at this. Do you know where you've been? I talked to a woman in the lobby, and I know she'd be okay, and she said, I I was a prostitute. I was a drug addict. The Lord has got me. He has put me in a place. I I love my job. I love what God was. As soon as It was so beautiful to see her just talk about who she is in Christ and how radically different her life is. But just trust me, she has an enemy that's saying, you can't do this. Do you know where you've been? Do you know what you've done? That's the enemy. And I just want to tell you, we are here to help you to overcome those words that the enemy are going to speak over you. We want you to experience radical life change. And that happens when you know who you are in God, when you know that you're a work of art, when you know that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, when you know that you are called, when you know that you're equipped, and when you know that you have everything you need to overcome and be victorious. So we're going to sing and we're going to watch a video and then I'm going to come up and wrap this up.
The enemy says, I have nothing to offer. The enemy says, I am too weak. The enemy says, why even bother? The enemy says, I have nothing God seeks. The enemy says, why try? No one cares. The enemy says, you're all alone. The enemy says, there's too much to fear. The enemy says, I am too late. I am too insignificant. I am too dumb. I am too white. I am too black. I am too damaged. I am too old. I'm too young. I'm too shy. I'm too overbearing. I'm not popular enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not talented enough. I've screwed up too many times. I've committed too many sins. The enemy's words are meant to destroy me, to distract me, to confuse me, to sideline me, to oppress me, to bench me. But the enemy's words are nothing but chatter, like the trash talk of an opponent that's already been beaten. His words are empty, meaningless, void of truth, void of any substance. I am not sinful, I am forgiven. I am not weak, but strong. I am empowered. I am inspired. I am indwelled. I am called. I am equipped. I am adopted. I am a royal priest. I am a co-heir with Jesus. I am protected. I am knit together. I am a work of art. I have purpose. I am loved. The enemy's words are meant to destroy me, but words are all that he has. Words. 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 Words, words are his only weapon. Empty, hollow, lie-filled words. Words are his only hope of taking me out of the game. Words are all that he has. Because I have overcome. 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 Because I am a child of the Most High God. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a child of the Most High God. Like a snowfall, the blankets here. My sin has been covered and I'm overcome. I'm overcome. The price we paid was already won. The blood of my Savior is shed. He's overcome. I'm Lord, we just pray that you would continue to pour out your favor 
and your blessing on this place. Thank you that you have preserved uh, this church for 125 years, serving in the city of Detroit. And pray that we would continue to be relevant, that we would continue to be used, that we would continue to experience more and more of your spirit. We ask that you would do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine according to the spirit at work within us. Help us to be the church you've called us to be at Maras 994. Thank you for the impact you've allowed us to have, not just here in the city, but around the world. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for these people. I pray that you would just bless them. Take them from this place, inspired that they are indeed a work of art, called to do a good work, which you prepared just for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we would love for you to come down if you need prayer, physical, spiritual, whatever you need. We have people that will pray over you. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon.